Okay, welcome to the first County Business Sports podcast, where we'll be conversing with the great and the good from the world of sport and business about, well, about sport, sport in Sussex, from foot golf to fencing, from wakeboarding to weightlifting and everything in between. We'll be sure to cover it and asking our guests what makes them tick and why business and sport go hand in hand. The podcast is sponsored by James Ross Jewellers, family jewellers in Sussex for generations. Now, I couldn't do this podcast alone, so I'm delighted to introduce a real sports expert, SBT sports editor, our very own Stato, the legend that is Lawrence Elphick. Good evening. How are you, sir? I'm all right, you? Mate, I'm ready to go. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. I think we best uh, introduce our first guest, shouldn't we? Yeah, I think you should. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to do it, aren't you? You told me you was going to do it. Really? Mate. It's your kick, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, all right then. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let's let's introduce the the one and only, the legend, the Brighton and Hove Albion legend, that is Kerry Mayer. Welcome, Kerry. Oh, cheers, Lars. Cheers, Sam. Kind words. You Mate. say Kerry Mayer, although these days look a bit more like Bill from Guess Who. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I, don't, I don't know who that is. Mate, no, I've, I've got Guess Who for the kids. He ain't changed either. No, exactly. <laughs> bit, I have no. Bit, I have bit no. Bit no weight around the face. Beard. No hair. <laughs> Ginger, Bill from Guess Who, there we go. <laughs> All right, OK. Well, I have noticed one thing, though. Out of the three of us, I'm different. Do you know why that is? Got more hair. I've got hair! Oh, yeah. hey, mate. <laughs> well, that won't last long, though, are you working with me, mate? <laughs> <laughs> a bit harsh, a bit harsh. There's not enough hours in a day to work with Sam, is there? <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Mate, let, we're going to jump straight in, I think, aren't we, Luz? Oh, um... Yeah, I think so. Um, let's let's get on with it, Kerry. Um, how you doing anyway? You all right? Really good. Family all well, healthy. Good. And no troubles over Christmas or festivities. I know the new variant of Omicron sort of blasting yeah, let's not, everyone no, at the no, moment. No, no, no. But on a positive, we're no, all no, safe. No. We're all well. <laughs> we don't want to go there. And we're here to have a good time, good fun, and, and uh, yeah, let's get chatting. Yeah, nice one. Well, listen, you're a bit of a legend, obviously, at the Albion. Um, to say, for you. one reason or another. <laughs> and um, but we're, I want to know. About the other. <laughs> I, you was born, I know, in um, Haywards Heath. Um, but I want to know about. Um, I want to start with. Uh, tell me about football growing up, because I'm always intrigued when a professional sportsman such as yourself, an absolute athlete, uh, where do you, where do you actually uh, where do you start when it comes to uh, learning learning the trade? You know, I want to know. Tell me about your early days growing up and playing football. Well, yeah, so I was born Cookfield Hospital, which is no longer there. Their offices and residential now. But uh, we, when I was three years old, my parents moved us down to Peacehaven, obviously a local seafront town there. And from about the age of five or six, I just, well, not even that really, six or seven, I got a ball for Christmas and just started kicking it around the house and just around the green outside of the house. And before you know it, back then, obviously when you used uh, the street lights as uh, floodlights it was, <laughs> and you stayed out kicking a ball with the people in your street or whatever and it was literally time to go home is when your mum come out, came out and dragged you in for your dinner sort of thing that was time to <laughs> go home colours. well you know sort of your dinner's ready oh, winning goal winning goal you know that sort of thing and you yeah. get back sort of 20 minutes then she comes out again then dragged you by your ears sort of thing you're coming in now that's it say bye and it was you either played until your mum took you home the, the street lights come on as your floodlights or until somebody that owned the ball took the ball back with them. It's one of those. It's my ball, I'm saying yeah, exactly home. that. So from a young age, liked just kicking around the football. It's just one of my mates from, from the street, really. Um, 
John Whitmore, his name, I'll name him. His, uh, he sort of said to me, oh, you're a really good footballer. You should come and play for Peacehaven Pirates. And at the age of under nines, this was, I went along and, uh, yeah, played. I was playing a year above myself. And I was as good as they were, if not better, sort of dribbling the ball and everything. And it went from there. So when I was 11, going through the years, the local uh, guy that ran all of the clubs at the youth team at Peacehaven Pirates there, Chris Pullen, he, he put four or five of us through to, to Brighton and Albion uh, just for a trial, the old Newtown Road church there. How old were you then, mate? 11. Wow. Yeah, and no, I just went along there and, and every year Brighton just kept asking me back and signed schoolboy forms from the age of uh, 14 uh, for the last two years of school, 15, 16, and then uh, got a youth team place, YTS, for two years before making it pro. So it all started from just kicking the ball about in the street with my mates, really. And did you always plan to be um, uh, sort of a defensive player or midfielder? No, when I, when I started, I just enjoyed scoring goals. So <laughs> As we all do. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I started off up front and then because, believe it or not, I was quite pacey when I was younger so I'd, and I had a good left foot. So they always played sort of left wing. Sport. Really? I did, yeah. So oh, okay. Scored plenty of goals. Sorry, I didn't mean to That's sound quite surprised. Sorry <laughs> about that. Well, you see me over the years, Lodge. I'll get slower and slower with age. And it's so the more slower you get, the further back you end up. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the end of my career. But it was uh, it was a, it was a good experience. I enjoyed it when I first started with Brighton. Actually, I was a left winger, left midfielder. Liam Brady was manager, and and I remember a game down at Peacehaven and Towscombe. Funnily enough, the first team there, and I was only sixteen. I was at YTS. And he played me with a lot of the other pros. It's a pre-season game, so it's a good experience for me. Um, you know, playing against, uh, playing with players that I'd paid to go and watch in recent years, but also playing against a team that I used to go and watch as a boy, Peacehaven and Telscombe, growing up, sort of thing. Well, I never used to pay. I used to jump over the wall, but <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> was that running away or no? That was jumping over the wall to get in, so I didn't have to All pay right. the fifty p. Brilliant, but, Brilliant. Uh, you tight. Well, I was brought up in a council estate. Didn't have much money. Holes in my shoes. They used to talk to me and everything. But so and but it was a real privilege. Liam Brady was manager, and he's you know all you could hear. I was obviously over by the dugout, left winger. He's by he's shouting on there. Get the ball to carry. And then the ball would come to me and I'd, take him on, take him on. I was absolutely knackered by the end of the game because all, all he wanted me to do was get the ball, dribble, and I'd, I'd win a throw in, win corners, I'd get crosses in. What was it like playing under? Well, under Liam the... Brady loved me. I mean, he yeah. was a left winger himself and he's yeah, an absolute yeah, legend course. of the game. Yeah, and he, yeah. he nicknamed my left foot the wand. That's where the he nickname the wand came from. And when somebody like Liam Brady says you've got a wand of a left foot, you, you know, you've got to take that. because. Yeah, he, he's a real legend of the game. I thought he was called the wand because he was more like Hermione Granger out of Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, same colour hair and all that. Ed, Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Bill from Guess Who. <laughs> Mate, it looks like he goes on, he goes on. <laughs> yeah. goes on. Ledge. <laughs> um, I was thinking, do you know, when he, just, just going back something, didn't it make you laugh when, because um, we all used to play football out in the streets yeah. and that's how he started talking about it. Um and and your mum used to call you out and say, you're right, it's time to come back in, you know, it's getting dark and that sort of thing. Doesn't matter who was winning, you know, you could be losing 20 goals to one and someone would shout out, right, next goal wins. That's it, mate. And it always made me laugh that yeah, you could be 21-0 down and you and score the win. goal and, and win. still win. And everyone yes. still celebrates. But then <laughs> that's the beauty of football. Like, the football's the oh, winner there, right? Do, do you think that... But do you think it's still like that? Like, because I remember that growing up. I remember used to, we used to go, like, you'd go over the park or whatever in the summer holidays 
nine o'clock in the morning and you'd play until it started getting dark. You'd been over there, like do a 12 hour, they do football marathons now that, you know, it's a bit tricky to play in that now. (laughs) But when you're younger, you can just play all day, didn't you? Yeah, you you don't even think about it. You don't even stop for food or drink, do you? Just keep going. Yeah. And back then you didn't take a drink with you or anything. It was a case of, Hey. You got 50p or something, and you used to walk to the shops together, didn't you? Get yeah. get like sweets and drink, and then go back and play again. That yeah. was your half time at three yeah. o'clock, sort of thing. But do, do you think that has changed? Like now, with, like, with kids, it's not the same, is it? Like it's not even going out and playing in the street and stuff like that, you just don't. It's, it's not the same. I mean, times have changed. It yeah, used to be sort of a, the back door was always open policy with neighbours and things, and yeah. everyone was. It was a community. It was friendly. And nowadays, yeah. you can't do that. I, 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 I'm nervous every time my kids go out out of my sight yeah, and then yeah. 11 and 9 it's you know what age do you let them go by themselves and yeah, yeah. it's they've got to they've got to flow in the yeah. nest and learn big become independent you it's know hard, sort of though, children young adults etc but it's it's hard in today's society with so much social media that gets branded about and and you know the horrifying things that you see yeah of course you know it's it's, it's terrifying so it's scaremongering, but you know you, you look at all these sort of paedophiles that have come out of the woodworks in the seventies. They were always there, but because the social media wasn't around, they were yeah. never They're not no, revealed. Exposure, so, yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah, yeah, I don't think things have changed in that sense, other than people are more aware of it. Aware of it, and and but it's like anything in life. It you know the, yeah. the world's evolving, business yeah. evolving, we're yeah, evolving, yeah, and we've got no. to move with it, or otherwise yeah. you're stuck in the times. Um, Kez, you made you made your debut at eighteen. Under, um, I believe, Jimmy Case. Yes. As manager, what can you remember about that? Was it against Carlisle? It was. It was. I just turned nineteen, actually, a month before. Oh, that's all right. Sorry, I got that wrong. <laughs> do, do your homework, <laughs> Loz. Sexy <laughs> <laughs> for one. Huge <laughs> reference, Loz. Might want to do your homework yeah. before you went. Ask not fair. Call it eighteen and a half. Right, yeah. I'm gonna have to change that stato. Yeah. yeah so, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Begins uh, with S, but yeah. Yeah. it was. It was against Carlisle. It was on a cold Wednesday night at the Goldstone Ground, and, and we were three 0 down at the time. And Jimmy sort of, and I played against West Ham on the Saturday morning in the youth team game. And uh, Rio Ferdinand and Frank Lampard are playing for West Ham then. Right. And we beat them 4 2. I was centre midfield and I scored a couple of goals. Right. And I basically outrun Frank Lampard and outplayed him. But then he wasn't in the West Ham team or anything. Yeah. You know, he was just a sort of first year pro like myself or he was in the youth team, or whatever. And um, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy sort of gave him my debut last 10 minutes. And. I put Maskell through. I think it was Maskell. Can't remember. I think it was him, and he, he scored. But I, said, I, I had an assist within ten minutes. We lost three-one. But the following game, we had uh, Fulham away at Craven Cottage right. on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And not only did I start, I was on free kicks, I was on corners, I was on long throws. That magic one, mate. Oh, it's brilliant. I loved it. And what, then what? Mickey Adams and Alan Cork were manager of Fulham. So my first full day was Fulham away, yeah. and uh, Mickey Adams was manager of Fulham. Cork was assistant who obviously later on went on to become Brighton manager yeah, and assistant. Yeah. As we're walking off Corky's, I won't say what Corky said to me, but it basically along the lines, where the hell did you come from? Because <laughs> they had no background on me because I hadn't played previously. Right. So, yeah, and, and Chippy and a few of the old Brighton players played for Fulham that day. Yeah. Chippy, Chippy never used to get substituted. He got subbed. And it was a real raw of the Rovers moment for me, that was. really was. Amazing. Do you know who Chippy is, by the way? No. Richard oh, Carpenter. Richard Carpenter, yeah, sorry. Yeah. But Hence why he's called Chippy. Sorry, <laughs> 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 <Yeah, laughs> so just keep, just yeah, keep sorry, it sound. Keep your me on my toes. Yeah, 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 sorry. You know, yeah. The funny thing is about nicknames in football is that I hardly know anyone's real names. Yeah, really? That's, that's, yeah, my teammates, because, you know, Chippy, obviously I know yeah. Richard Carpenter, but, you know, yeah. Semtex, Danny Cullet. I can, 
There's just loads. Sorry, his, his nickname was Semtex. You interviewed him enough times over the years, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, but I never called him that, <laughs> and he never told me he was called that. You're right not to call him that. Hard as nails, Danny Cullen. If, if you'd have called Danny Semtex, you'd have seen why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, OK. <laughs> but, well, then, you know, the, 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 it's a true story, obviously. You know their names, but... We never used to call each other by first name, surname, or anything. It was always nicknames, and yeah. and sometimes when being interviewed over the years, people say, "What about such and such? You who? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course, yeah." Oh, if you don't know that's, this, part, that's part of the change in banter, which you can't. No, I've I've played football in my life. You know what I mean? You can't, no matter what level you play at, what whether it's Sunday league, Ryman. Professional, I'm sure it all just feels down, but that that changing room banter and that, like you said, it's nothing like it. There's, there is no, there's nothing, it. and there's nothing that can replace it, is there? Like, no. you, I stopped playing, well, I don't know what, 10 years ago or something, like you know, really? but like, I thought you still played, yeah, mate. I was getting, getting on a bit now, haven't I? Getting <laughs> on a, but you, when, when, you, when you look at it like that, and you just think, uh, there, there's nothing I've done, and like, obviously, I run firm balls, so it's great that I've got. That still have that little bit. I'll go over and see the. Yeah. I, I was up this week in Manchester. And I still love like the lads playing. I over buy them a beer after, and I'll get that little bit. But there's nothing that can compare to that. That just changing room camaraderie and that togetherness that you get in the in the changing room is awesome. And it's so true that you say that because that that's how it was in football. Yeah. Obviously, times have changed over the years now. But you yeah. know the practical jokes that used to be had on each other, <laughs> yeah. and it, it was like a dog eat dog world in in the world of the dressing room. And it sort of stayed in those four walls. Yeah. Is 24-7 absolute mickey taken out of each other mm. if you didn't like it don't take the mickey out of somebody yeah, else yeah. that sort of thing and there was no bullying or anything like that it was yeah. just if you could get a laugh out of the lads you'd done a good job and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also it's important to take the mickey out yourself in, in that environment because then it's not it doesn't hurt it, yeah. when you've got 25 lads on the training ground taking a mickey out you can't help but think oh, yeah. you know that's not right but when you're giving it, you've got to expect it. And, and it's and it goes, you know, you'll be fishing chip paper from one minute to the next. It's one of those. You know, yeah. I'll move on to the next one. And yeah. it, there was no one that used to get bullied. I say bullied. It's like banter. So, yeah. In, in today's yeah. world, it's bullying. And yeah. rightly so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you back just then. moved. Back then, it was just banter from yeah. one person to the next. No one got had a go at any more than anyone else because everyone was continuously just giving it to each other and it was just it was, but it was just good camaraderie it's great for the team spirit great for the team building but then moving away from that to the business world is a real eye opener because you can't go into an office a working office yeah. and have that same camaraderie because you will upset somebody because they're not used to that environment yeah. And and it's totally understandable. So you just need to be very careful. And and you know my HR file was up here, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm slowly getting down to yeah. yeah. And I've I've just about got it now after being in business for a few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. To, we'll come on to the business thing in a little bit, Kez. But um, I just wanted to ask you about the changing room stuff because you shared a changing room. Obviously, you were playing with the likes we mentioned them earlier, Danny Semtex Cup uh, guy. Butts, butters, yeah. Um, I'm not going to go through all the others, but you know, Richard Carpenter. There was there was a few names in there, and also Charlie Oakway, of course. Yeah. Now, I'm vaguely aware <laughs> of some stuff that went on, but what I want to know is is can you tell us about some of the stories that did happen in the change rooms? I mean, we were talking about it off air, and you were mentioning about quite often the game was won in the tunnel, but I want to know what happened. Give us give us some examples. Come on. Well, I mean, there's so many practical jokes 
that are not right for this show. <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> but I can't say because that's the explicit one that yeah, we, that we yeah, exactly. Out, yeah. Just leave <laughs> the I'll, words I'll, out. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a good one in a minute. But going on about the uh, and that keep people listening because it's a good one. I promise you. <laughs> but going on about you saying games were one in the tunnel. Um, back to the how it was in them them days, and it's not so much now. And you and you can see on loads of clips like the Vieira Keen the battles you know oh, that sort yeah. of thing yeah, of always in the tunnel before the games and for us it was no different we used to Mickey Adams was, was probably the best at doing this he used to say to us look let them go out the bell's gone just wait here we're ready let them wait and then as we're going out he'd say to us and remind us again go opposite stand opposite the person you're playing against you're marking and tell them what you're going to do to them in the game Obviously, I can't repeat that here, yeah. but you used to look across and you used to, you know, you wouldn't be smiling as you said it. Danny would because he'd enjoy it sort of thing. But you'd say what you're going to do to these players and then you get in your position, you walk out onto the pitch. And for the first probably 10, 15, 20 minutes, you know, I'd be left back, for example, the winger I'd just spoken to in the tunnel 20 minutes ago. When he got the ball, he might be as quick as anything and could do me for pace. But because of what I said to him in the tunnel I reminded him on the pitch it turn out pass go back go out the other side and it's it's just the wow. game the game was won on, in the tunnel because psychologically we got into their heads fear fear mongering like like, intimidation bit, bit like, like, bit like the yeah. government with us these days <laughs> you know, fear mongering <laughs> scaremongering they call yeah, it so, yeah, yeah. But, it, but it worked it, it ruined their game plan because they had a game plan and we thwarted that in the tunnel before the game then we went about our business because that was part of our game plan yeah. and there, you know we had two back to back championship winning promotions off the back of you know psychologically winning the game in the tunnel and having that camaraderie in the dressing room the banter and everything else but moving on from that you think I had sort of 14 different managers don't forget in my time at Brighton yeah. so I always I took the best bits and yeah. the not so good bits from all of them and I've taken that into the world of business yeah. for leadership because some players and you know people like Paul Brooker for example five foot six skinny as a rake there's nothing of him he's never going to win a header yeah. but he was a really quick winger so you knew give the ball to his feet take him on you wouldn't like plant the ball up to his chest where he's got because yeah, <laughs> he's yeah, going to get smashed he's going to get smashed like the microphone there <laughs> but, he, but he, he's, you know he's going to get come through the back he's never going to win a tackle yeah. so you play to his strengths and his weaknesses and Bozzi's the sort of player the manager needs to put his arm round yeah, and you know yeah. G him up bit of confidence come on you're the best winger out there the best feet you're quick you've got great cross this that and the other go and do your strengths don't worry about winning headers yeah. that sort of thing and leave the headers to the people at the back or whatever like us and it was um, you know but then there was people maybe like Charlie who you mentioned yeah who's a proper prankster by the way he's the king of pranks a bit <laughs> chippy but that, um, Danny they're the sort of people you probably need to have a go at you know really sort of rally them up to Not get them ready and right, fired yeah. up for it right um, so it's different players have different uh, on switches, you know. But Dif that, that, that you're right, as you sort of mentioned, like you take that into the business world. Like mm. you said, like, there is. It's all about then culture, isn't it? Like, yeah, the the culture yeah. within the changing room, that culture that you, that team ethic that you're talking about. Uh, it's the same in business, isn't it? You've got. To, it you is. know, if you've got a sales team, you you never know what's going on behind closed doors in, at home. Okay, so you might have somebody that's vulnerable. You might have somebody that's you know, maybe had troubles growing up. They might have troubles in their relationship. They might have ill children or their parents might be ill. You never know what's going mm. on. There's always trials and tribulations. We all, we all have hard times. Yeah. And as humans, we we protect ourselves. We think we're protecting ourselves by just keeping quiet and hiding it and going to work and switching off from that whilst we're at work. <clears throat> so you never know what's going on 
behind closed doors. Yeah. So it's important, I think, just to never judge a book by its cover. Don't right. just flick through the pages, read the pages. Yeah. Because the pages are your, your staff, read yeah. up on them. Yeah. And, and just know, just, some, just put your arm around. Always have an open door policy. Don't shut your, elf, um, your door from them and let them make an appointment or have. Yeah. Always be open and because they might, they might not be performing at work because of what's going on at home which is generally nine times out of ten what is yeah. happening. Yeah. So yeah. rather than having to go at people and saying, well, you've not hit oh, blah, 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 we're going to do this or discipline, how about, right, is there anything I can help with? You know, yeah. come, come and have a cup of tea. Yeah. Let's, let's take them out for lunch. Just have a general chat. Yeah, yeah. Barriers down. Everything all right at home. Unless, yeah. of course, they're an absolute rubbish salesman, then, then you know, just, <laughs> just get them out. Yeah. If, if they're rubbish, they're rubbish. You know, go and, go and do something else at your, your mindset or what you're good at. But don't, it's just, just, it's just about managing people in different ways. Some people need a good kick up the backside. Some people need an arm around them. Yeah. And some people, you never know what's going on. So what did you need? Treat different. What did you need when you was playing football? Did you? I'll be honest with you, uh, an arm around me, because you give me a kick up the backside and I was like... I don't really want you to do got well the ump. for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, criticism. Some people, I was just saying, some yeah. people don't receive criticism that no, well. No, exactly. Like, but, you... but but if a manager's telling me, like Liam Brady, for example, I've got a wand of a left foot. All of a sudden, I'm thinking I'm I've got the best left foot in the world. Yeah, yeah. Give it to me, and I, I can play a ball anywhere. And I had that confidence about yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. But when you got Mickey Adams <laughs> saying to me at half time that I've, I've played a ball down the line it's gone out of play oh Kerry's got his bloody Adidas stand finders on hasn't he and, like, <laughs> and then you've got all the lads jumping on me I've got to play second half yet lads yeah, you know, and yeah, then the ball yeah. comes to me and I'm thinking oh god don't kick it out it's that's it because <laughs> it's playing yeah, it's on your mind, like, yeah. yeah so it's for me it's like get your arm around me so it works for some and not all and yeah. it, everyone, everyone's different everyone's an individual and, yeah. and it, you've got to treat people like that but do you, do you think like with the like you sort of mentioned there about that and there's obviously talk about soft skills I guess really like which uh, the impression I guess of you know under sort of you think about Ferguson and people like that like a whole hair dry treatment and stuff like not a lot of soft skills going on there potentially <laughs> but was it that there is like you say everyone's treated differently sometimes if you've got that in your locker and you're able to have those soft skills that sort of conversation with people you'll get more out of them. Like you, like you said, you personally responded to someone yeah. giving you a little bit, you know what, confidence comes, boost, that's a bit of a confidence boost, yeah. yeah. And you go, okay, I'm what, now you're walking out 10 foot tall and you're gonna, that left one, that thing that you've done in the first half, you forget about that because you've just pinged the beauty into, and set someone up or whatever, you yeah, know Yeah, exactly I mean? that. And I think also uh, recognition of when you have done something well, yeah. you know, pat on the back or making yeah. big news about it, you know, because yeah. people, if people are very quick to say, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need yeah. to do this. So if someone does it and they do it well, let them know. Yeah. Rewards, yeah. incentives, that sort of thing. Because then all of a sudden, it's a bit like teaching a dog new tricks, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. It is. So it's, if, they, if a dog does something good, you give them a reward. Yeah. It's no different in life. Like if someone does, well, if sales guys gets good selling or something like that, or someone does well within the business, yeah. give them a reward and some incentive, or give them incentives, something to drive towards, yeah. rather than just targets and KPIs, because yeah. everyone knows in a sales job, KPIs and targets are there to be had. Yeah. But if you don't get there for two or three months, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. You're still trying your hardest to do it. So I think that's it. As long as someone, like, when you relate that to football, you relate to sales, whatever it looks like, as long as someone's giving you their all and you can tell that they're doing that, uh, you go, you, you, you know what I mean? That's that's what it's about, isn't it? It's yeah. true. And if, if somebody's given their all, but then still not quite at the yeah, not level that you want them then to. you can have a chat with them, give them another chat. And if they're still not improving, then you try and find them something they're good at or it yeah. might be time for them to, in football terms, yeah, yeah. change clubs. Yeah, yeah. 
because your philosophy... Or it might be something that they just need training at. Exactly, you know, more coaching. They need a bit of help. Exactly. Yeah, a bit of coaching. Yeah, yeah, a bit of coaching, sit down, is there anything we can help you with? Yeah. yeah. So, so football is so similar to business in many ways with, that, yeah. with yeah. that sort of thing. And that's my experience of 14 years and 14 different managers all right, with one club, but taking the best bits and the worst and keeping hold of the best bits is why my man-to-man management skills are very... Which is why I'm a people person. Yeah. I'm always open for discussions and everything yeah. else. Always make time for people because life is too short and there's a lot of stress. We, we live in a very stressful environment, mm. yeah. work-related, where people have to hit deadlines, have to achieve, and this, that, and the other. Yeah. And no one's standing still anymore. And even more so where people now have had to adapt more than ever working from home. They're not in the office. Yeah. And, and then you've got that separate thing, work-life switch-off. Yeah. and keeping it separate how would you if you're working from home in a stressful environment finish work and your kids come in from school and then you have to do the dinners yeah. get the bath times and then settle them down it's, but it's trying to switch off from work knowing that you've got the email to send knowing you've got a deadline to do a brochure out or proposal or something like that it's, it's, it's managing your time again that's another skill which are you good at that work life back I, up, work I am, life, I am because can you switch I, off yeah so what I do is I I dedicate the mornings I've always got my mobile phone on me okay so people can always or my clients can always get hold of me if needed and I can always send and receive emails but what I do is I take my children to school in the morning yeah. and I go for a 45 minute hour walk with the dog um, you know on the downs or something yeah. and I've still got my calls I've still got my emails but I'm in an environment that's calm and I get home dogs away then I start working from home or I go out on the road, I go to meetings, etc. But I mean, I do it in a calm manner. Yeah. That's my downtime. Is early in the morning, where some people like to start early, finish early. Oh, I like that's to. Interesting. Yeah. So, I, but that's okay. just my personal preference. Yeah. Yeah. So I start my work day starts at when I wake up, really, because the phone's always there, so people can contact me, and I'll always yeah. answer the phone. But personally, I won't be in front of my laptop till about ten in the morning, because, and then then I'm in the zone, and I've got a cup of tea there in the zone. I've done my walk for an hour, yeah. drop the kids off. I know they're at school. I know they're safe. And then that's me. I smash the day. Mm. And if my wife's at home, great. She'd do whatever she's doing or she'd be at work herself. Yeah. But it's just about, you know, then the kids come home. I've worked, I know I've worked hard, but again, my laptop's open. Yeah. My phone's yeah. on. So if I do need to send an email, I can do. If, but it's, it's just about, and then weekends for me, my phone's on, but that's my family time. Yeah. I, I, You've got to have I think important. it's important to have that. I think it's, it's so important to have that. I, I've, that's something I've really struggled with. Like when I talk on the other podcast and stuff about, uh, you know, work-life balance, such. And I, I struggle. I struggle to get that switch off. You, it, like, it's hard because around, but. when you've got quite a few things going on work-wise, yeah. you might and and you find when you're sleeping, you're still thinking about all the yeah, thousands yeah, of things yeah, going through your head, and, yeah. it, and you, you feel like you haven't slept, and you probably. You have slept, but you've still got work going on in yeah, your head. Yeah. And it's knowing when to switch off. So it's it's really hard to do, which is why that hour in the morning, walking the dog, yeah. is, and whether it's windy, rain, shine or whatever, it's it's time just for me, just a bit of fresh air, walk. I feel better because I've done four or five K walk and it sets me up for the day. Someone gave me a tip once, which was, you know, if you're lying in bed, because I was always one of these people, you, you know where I used to work, um, and uh, I was, I'd was, i be lying in bed, I'd be thinking about what I've got to do for the day. And um, I just, like, I couldn't go back to sleep. And um, it seems obvious now, and probably a lot of people do it, but to me, to me, I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind back then. But, you know, get a dictaphone, get your mobile phone, get a uh, pen and paper, 
whatever's in your mind, write it down, yeah. and then you'll go back to sleep because you know you won't forget about it. And when you wake up I'm, in the morning, I'm, there I've, it is. I've been told about that as well. Yeah, yeah. and it did. It works. It, right. work, yeah. it works. It does. I've got. I've got my. I've. I've got a little notepad that I have next to my bed. And sometimes it is that I'm literally lying there and thinking, thinking, I'll just go, I'll get up. And it might be that I'll simply write an idea or I write a to-do list of yeah. what's got to happen. And yeah. as soon as you, well, okay, that's what I've actually got to do tomorrow. So you just, boom, you can put it away and you can go back and, and yeah. try and go back to sleep. You but, do find as well some of your best ideas when you're, in, when you're asleep. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you yeah. wake up, oh, yeah, I must remember that in the morning. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, Mine yeah. are on the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that says. What's that say about me? Mate, probably not too different from me, don't you? Mrs. does <laughs> 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 we, we, do emails on the toilet. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Tim posts. Oh, and yeah, every, every now and again, do a Sudoku. It's good for the mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, clears the mind. It does. Yeah. That's what they say. But can yeah. I can I come back to this funny story? Is that your mind? Sorry. Yeah, because I was. Saw, ju- thank you. Way late. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you. Who's doing this interview? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. I'll, I'll, oh, go on, go on, please. I'll, please tell you, I'll tell you two stories on one person, right? And cool. then that'd be. It. I won't tell any more. And he, he won't. Oh. Bit droopy there, mate. Yeah, sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. That's an age thing, That's an age I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> There's a. But he won't mind me telling me this because uh, I've said it before, and um, and he he sort of laughs about it. He's a good, he's a prankster himself. Can you still hear me, all right? Yeah, good, all good mate. There's uh, so everyone knows Robbie Savage, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So he he'd been Leicester, Man United, Leicester, Derby County. And he, when Mickey Adams had him at Leicester, Mickey come back for his second stint at the Albion and, and he signed Robbie Savage in on loan. That's right, I remember. Bearing in mind, at this point, you know, we're on like a few grand a week, not mega money or anything like yeah. that. We're playing at with Dean Stadium. Robbie Savage come from Pride Park, Derby, and just come from the Prem and everything. He's on like 52 grand a week. <laughs> right? <laughs> so you can imagine, can't you, like his players come in, his big personality as well, yeah. loves a laugh and a joke. Yeah. So every morning he'll come in, we all get changed. And do you remember a lad called Kevin McLeod? Yeah, yeah, Kevin from McLeod. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Left foot, he had a left, one he was, left yeah, foot. Yeah, so he was left winger, I was left back. Anyway, we were yeah. both injured for about, I think I was injured my knee for about a month, but he was out for a couple of weeks. And we was on the injured table. Malcolm Stewart used to do all the physio and everything, get the lads out to train, then he'll treat the injured. Yeah. And then at half 10, right, go and have a cup of tea. And then buy, and then come back at eleven. So you had like half an hour tea break for like. In that half an hour, everyone, all the lads were out training. There's a Sav would come in after training. They'd have no no toes, um, no ends of his socks. They'd be gone. His knees, <laughs> his elbows, <laughs> right? jeans, everything tied up, really tight knots. You had to cut them to free them. So you come in, go in short like Robinson Crusoe. It's brilliant, right? So <laughs> we did this for about a week, and. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I did do it once. And then after that, I didn't do it because there's other players that got involved. Yeah. And it was a bit of a cult, not against him, but he, he was a character and always taking the mick out of us a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. just brilliant. Yeah. And uh, it got to the end of the week. He's like, lads, lads, seriously. Because, <laughs> and he was staying in a local hotel in Brighton. And he'd go down the lanes and he'd spend like probably three or four grand every day yeah. getting new clothes yeah. Desi- yeah. you know in a designer <laughs> shop I think profile his profile's best customer for about a month he was oh yeah yeah and, uh, and he'd come in all this dapper gear next day we'd do it again and it, <laughs> but I hope you kept the receipt sort of thing and it <laughs> lads seriously you've got to stop this my wife's in the credit card 
off my clothes. <laughs> she's she's moaning. We're like we're down to our last nine million as it is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so the, you can imagine that. Like, that's the best comeback of all comeback. Yeah. Like, let's stop. That's cost me fat. Down to our last nine million. It's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> we're in stitches. And he was he was there for a month, right? So every week he sort of weekend he went back yeah. up back home to his family and every week he'd come down in, in a different sports car yeah and he'd come down his, his uh, final week of being on loan he had this Lamborghini Diablo nice white one uh, you're talking like 180 grand's worth of kit yeah, it's a lovely car yeah. amazing and it's only up as high as your waist sort of thing so low to the ground and uh, Macca being you know nothing against him but Macca being from Liverpool Scouse <laughs> yeah he's like Kez let's get the keys la I never driven a never driven a Lambo, la. Oh, Maka, no, no, that's too much money. If something goes wrong, oh, I can drive one of these, la. I was like, cry. And for whatever reason, I agreed to it. Oh no! So we taking this Lamborghini down Lewis Road, down past the um, speed camera. There's one speed ticket. Four times. Got back. And then and we drive him through the old Sussex University where the training ground was, up the, over these speed humps. So oh, he's no. going slow, obviously. He's got his car. We got to the top. We parked in. There's one. Dis, you remember the old training ground laws? Yeah, yeah. At the back of the canteen there. There was one disabled spot. Yeah. So we parked it in there. <laughs> and as we get out, we rang security. Uh, security. I mean, security. I said, um, yeah, Robbie Savage, a Premier League player, has just parked his Lamborghini in the one disabled spot up at the... Sports Pavilion. <laughs> no. You, you might want to come and have a look. If you didn't think nothing of it, training finishes, everyone's showered and all, we're all having lunch as we do after training. Next thing, though, Kit, kit Man Ken comes in. Sav, you might want to get out of here. Your car's about to be put on the back of a low, low, low lorry. <laughs> Being towed. Mac and I looked at each other and think, oh, no, we've well, gone too far now. And uh, Sav's come back out, and I kid you not, he's, he's like, hey, what do you think you're doing there, pal? He goes, oh, and he's this only young lad. He must have been sort of late 20s. I say young lad, late 20s. He's, he's start taking photos of the car and everything before he's putting it about to load it up. He goes, get your thing off my car. What are you doing? He goes, oh, he goes, he goes, here, look, there's 300 quid. You haven't seen me. Just take the rest of the day off sort of thing. <laughs> Put his money back in his pocket. And then uh, he goes, oh, well, it's on camera now. He goes, let me have a look at the pictures. And sh stupidly, he gave him the camera. Delete. Oh, stamped it no. him, there's 300 quid get yourself a new get yourself a decent camera right no. he goes just go, go. You, no one's seen this and we're, and we're, oh no so it's cost him 600 quid <laughs> four speeding tickets oh mate <laughs> and this guy's just gone away about his way he goes tell your boss you, you drop your camera and the card gone by the time you got there it's absolutely brilliant I bet he couldn't wait to come back on loan could he oh, he's, he's, honestly he, he never he, returned he, he never returned I don't know why but he, it was one of those where <laughs> he's, he's, he's a laugh and a joke, but he's come from a Premier League club. He's yeah. on, yeah, he's a multi-millionaire. He's, he's done well in the game. He's a real character. But he's come to a dressing room where we had that camaraderie. Fantastic. We thought, you know, if you're going to come here, there's no players bigger than us lot. We've started talking about business now. Yeah. Um, you retired in 2009. Um, I've missed out quite a chunk. Um, <laughs> But uh, just um, you retired in two thousand and nine, and and how difficult did you find it to transition into a business um, and be yeah you know... re really difficult because when when I retired, I was in the process of re-signing an extend extension on my contract, yeah. and only for another year, 
And then obviously March 28th, 2009 against Tranmere Rovers was my last professional game. Yeah. Just a freak accident, really. I sort of landed awkwardly on my hip, same point of impact. The Tranmere striker landed on me as well. Right. And it just, my pubic bone just sort of, did, it was not pleasant. And that was the end of my f professional career. And ever since, obviously, the, the contract then was withdrawn. So, because I'm, I'm no use to the club then. Yeah, and it, yeah, was, of it was then when I realised that loyalty really sort of stands for nothing in a business very quickly because I've been with the club ever since the age of 11. Yeah. Played 413 games for them, won promotions and everything else. And all of a sudden, they wouldn't honour the contract because the money I was on supposedly would get free players in, younger players. And it was that's when I that's knew it was become a business. That's, that's hard. Yeah. So, you know, and that, that was one of the lessons that I learned when I say about putting your arm around people sometimes and rewarding them for doing good. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. For me personally, I felt like they didn't care if that makes sense. I felt like after everything I've given to that club, and I still support them, obviously, yeah, I, I don't cool. watch them as much, as much as I can. And I'll always be a Brighton fan. Um, but I'm not bitter about it, but I just feel that they could have dealt. In the nicest possible way, if Tony Bloom was chairman when I retired, right. I think I would have been looked after. Okay. Do, do, do you think that's down to... Because the finances wouldn't have been a problem. Okay, that's that's my my view. Do, 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 do you think that? Do you think a lot of why you sort of that that situation? Look at that situation. There was a lot to do with a lack of communication, maybe with you at that stage, then, or like because how you, like you said, how you talk to someone about that situation and yeah, go, so, this is what's happening, and this is yeah. So so obviously there's a peer professional football association yeah. union which I was PFA rep. Um, they can only give you so they back then they only gave you so much um, advice and. And there's all of the courses available to retrain and relearn whilst you're playing. Yeah. I mean, I did all my coaching badges and everything like that, but that's only good if you know somebody within a managerial role to get your foot in the door to coach. Yeah. You know, Brighton, Brighton didn't even take me back as a coach or anything. And whereas they look after their players, players a lot yeah. more now. Yeah. A lot more. Yeah. Um, which is the right way to do it, because they get. And this is this is nothing against. Dick Nikes is a great chairman, but at the time the club didn't have the finances. Yeah, that's you know that with renting from yeah. Wivdean Stadium, yeah, we didn't the have the tra renting a training ground. We didn't yeah. have the stadium we got now. We didn't have yeah. the training facilities. We didn't have the finances. Yeah. So it was a totally different era financially. Yeah. So it's sort of I was sort of a year away really from being looked after by the club in that sense financially. Uh, you know, not to say that they would have done, but I just think it would have been a different story. And is that is that personally is that like obviously is that hard to take like or does that play on your mind like no you, it's it's, it's it just, just well it's that, just something that was at the time yeah, I thought of and I just thought maybe they could have looked after me better yeah. personally but then it's not their job to do it it's not in the contract yeah. or anything it's but from that and that experience is why I take it into leadership myself in business yeah. and I like to reward people for doing well yeah, yeah. because and loyalty goes a long way as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if somebody's doing a good job, um, you know, I'm, I'm in the world of business telecoms. Yeah. And when I ring companies or um, I, I, I get a lot of good referrals because of the service and support levels. It's, and I might not be the cheapest, certainly not the most expensive, but because I, my customers, my clients, and I get on well with them and first name terms. And it's if ever there's a problem, they ring me, like I said earlier about yeah. phones always on. And I just take care of the problem for them. I get it sorted for them. They're happy. They go about their day and their business, and it's done. It's dealt with. And then we move 
Okay. But, so when you're getting recommendations from companies, that's when you know you're doing well in business. Yeah, yeah quite right. And yeah, yeah. and that's what I'm really proud of is that yeah. I've been able to use my experiences from football, yeah. from different managers, man management, different experiences, and take that into business. And when I'm networking, I'm good with people. I used yeah. to go after after games, so I was man and match sort of thing. You go to the hospitality suite, yeah. all the business and directors are in there. You meet them and you chat into them. And again, without realizing it subconsciously, you're networking, yeah, but you're not because you're not selling, but they're coming to pay to watch you play football. Yeah. And then when, since I've retired, I've retained a lot of friendships from people I've made when I used to go into the, the hospitality sector. Because you're still, ultimately, you're still build, you're just building relationships. That's so exactly. much in yeah. life, whether it be football, whether it be business, whatever it is, you, people buy from people, so you build relationships. They do, yeah. Do you know, I, st I, I found I had to justify networking to uh, my other half. And I don't know if anyone else has ever found that. They probably understand it. I, I'm getting the impression, Kerry, your other half, Jenny, she's uh, she's amazing. And she she understands what you have to do. Sam, I'm not sure. You probably have to she, bat that off every time. But I, I struggled to justify networking because it was seen as, oh, yeah, you're just jolly, going out for a jolly. Up. jolly. Yeah. Because, because you do build up uh, friendships. Yeah. And you see people and you end up chatting away and you're having a But the time comes. Is when someone needs something. Yeah, they think of oh, you. Yeah. Speak to Loz about that. Yeah. Speak to Sam about that. Yeah. To, and it's just referring. Absolutely. And, it, and it, there's enough pieces in the pie for everybody to have a piece. Different industries, same yeah. industries. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you can do it without treading on anyone's toes or upsetting yeah. anybody. There might be myself and another couple of telecoms companies going, generally, you get two or three. Yeah, yeah. They need two or three uh, proposals to yeah. choose one. And... If you, you, if you make it into the top three, for me, that's a win. Yeah. But if you're a chosen provider, then it's a double win. Yeah. It's, it's one of those where you've obviously made an impression for them to shortlist you. A bit yeah. like going winning awards. Yeah, 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 and, and so you know you've done well in the first instance, but to get it over that line is clearly when people buy from people, they trust in what you're, you're going to 100%. provide them with. And, and, it, and, and no one likes to lose, let's be honest. No one likes to lose. Everyone's got that winning mentality. And yeah, it, yeah. when I played football, again, another life lesson in business. When I played football, if we lost at the weekend, that ruined my weekend. And that was my <laughs> only time. I, I, I was the same. Yeah, that's the only time my wife and kids was the weekend. The rest of the time I was with the lads at football. Yeah. But that weekend, I'd be grumpy. Yeah. So very quickly, I've very learned, regardless of whatever the result is, get home, spend quality time with your family because players come and go. Yeah. Employees come and go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And family are there forever you know stick with what makes you happy yeah yeah so jenny and the kids make me really happy and that's my happy place at home with them right. or yeah, going yeah. out for a meal with them or going to the park or theme park yeah, yeah. or holidays with them. that is so anything i do in business now allows me time yeah. to pay for us to go away for a holiday and spend quality time as a family together we yeah. do as many day days out as we can and yeah. it's not all about money you like we go to the park we take picnics yeah, we take yeah, the dogs for walk it, it's, it's definitely looking at social media I carry us more holidays than Judith Chalmers do you remember Judith Chalmers yeah exactly Jenny Chalmers Jenny Chalmers yeah I'll put that down to the wife she, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, has, she has a budget and she goes sets about her way to buy <laughs> but it, there's one thing you talked a little bit about we, we're talking it's nice because we're obviously talking about the relationship with business and, and, and football and stuff like that. And you talked about, you know, leadership, managers and stuff like that. Talk, tell us about just uh, over the course, who, who was the best manager you played under? The best manager for a number of reasons, Steve Koppel. Right. He, he was in charge for 75 games. 
yeah. the Albion. And every one of those games I, was, I played, I was, I was the only player to play 75 games. He, tried, he then went to Reading because the stadium at the time wasn't ready for Brighton, so he went to the Medeski. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he actually tried to sign me for Reading. Uh, and I said no because it's my testimonial season, which is probably my only regret in football, is because that season we were both in the championship. Brighton went down, we got relegated. Yeah. Reading went up to the Premier League. I remember that, yeah, yeah. And and Steve Coppel brought Reading back for my testimonial, which was supposed to be against Celtic, yeah. but that got cancelled. Yeah. Or they wanted too much money or something. And yeah. we was, I was having to pay Brighton Hove Council rent for the 15 Stadium, for Christ's sake. Do you know what I mean? So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, I can't just have a testimonial and not earn and, you know, and lose yeah. money. So, yeah. um, so Steve Coppel kindly brought Reading back and, yeah, and my one regret was I didn't join Reading that season because wow. it was good money. Yeah, he would have. Nicky Shorey was then there then as well, playing left back. Yeah, wow. but I would have. He would have played me left side, centre half alongside either Inga Marson, who was an old Brighton player, yeah. played alongside, and it would have been good. And it would have been nice to win a champion or get promoted to the Premier League. Wow, and play Premier League football. Yeah, so that's, sure. that's the one one regret I didn't. Oh, man. That's my only regret in football. Know that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. because my loyalty to the club and being a fan, I you know I stayed. It, for me, it wasn't about the money. What was Steve Coppel so good at, though? He was very calm influence. So you got your Mickey Adams, you got your Mark McGee's, and you, very shouty, and yeah. or you know when they want to be. Yeah. And and Mark McGee was very good actually. He was he was very calm, but also typical sort of Scotsman. <laughs> if he was angry, yeah, you knew yeah. about it, sort <laughs> yeah. of thing. And uh, no offence to Scottish out there, but <laughs> this is Mark McGee. He'll take that on the chin. I'm sure he will. He's taken worse. And. Um, but Steve Copper was just a very calm influence. It just around just the way that he spoke, the way he come across. He, he didn't leave any stone unturned. He had right. his own recording studio at home, and this was the first time I'd experienced it actually, like the evol evolution of football. He had his own recording studio at home, and he say we was playing I don't know Reading for example, on uh, on a Saturday, he would get all of Reading's games on video, the last six games, and he'd just watch every one of them, and he'd make snippets, and then. And then obviously see the patterns in their play, their set pieces, the way they play. Yeah. And then on a Friday morning before training, they'd have us all in and there'd just be a seven, eight minute video of, so he's, he's taken probably hours and hours to edit this. Yeah. He'd show a video of all their, their patterns, of how they play and where they, who's right foot, left foot, what they do and everything else. Wow. He'll go to cross, faint, he'll put it on his left, so keep him on his right. You knew everything, you knew before the game, how they were gonna play, you knew, you know, their set pieces, what their strengths were, what their weaknesses were. So you knew your job before you even, on a Friday morning, before you even got to the ground on a Saturday against yeah. your position. Blimey. It was, and he was so calculated, it was Amazing. brilliant. And that was the first time I'd witnessed anything like that. Wow. It really was. So the analytics side of things, and he used to spend hours and hours in front of his TV or his, um, yeah. his studio, and just to make a, a clip. Good Lord. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Wow. And he did that himself because he had a team that he could do it for him, yeah, but yeah. he wouldn't trust them to do it. He needed to do it himself. To, <laughs> to put this, you know, it's like anything. Us, yeah, it's a bit like that in business. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You have to do it yourself. Yeah, yeah, you want something you done properly, do it yourself. Because, yeah. say, for example, they hired somebody to come in. Well, at the time, there wasn't any money in the club to hire somebody to spend hours to do yeah. that. So he'd done it himself. And But say they come in and done it, and then it wasn't what he wanted, or we lost because they gave him the wrong information, that yeah. sort of thing. It, you know, he wouldn't. He would kick himself because he's. It's, it's interesting, though, you say that because I, I, there's a, there's a 
flip side to that as well, like because as a, I guess look, he's a manager and a leader. So you've got, but as a manager and a leader, there's certain elements sometimes that you have got to be able to trust. Otherwise, you yeah. employ people. Yeah, that's right. What's the point in employing people if you don't trust them to yeah. to, to to do their job? The idea is, I'm, I, I was speaking to James Dempster. We were talking a bit, a little mm. bit about on a podcast about football and business, etc. But saying that, like, you've got to be able to trust. You, I employ people who are better at the job than I am because you then trust but them the, to be able the, to do the that. trust. The trust is a massive issue. It's crucial. It's yeah. crucial to any, it's it's fatal to yeah. a lot of businesses because yeah. when again going back to the football like if I was if no manager at Brighton would sign any player unless they did their due diligence on that player mm. that they'd look into their family life this is a bit different to business but yeah. to a certain extent you could take it into business yeah. they'd find out about their home life they'd check their social media accounts they'd make sure they're not rogues they'd make sure they're not in and out of prison or yeah. they'd make sure they're not down and out so that yeah, sort of thing yeah. they'd make sure they're comfortable got a, you know don't have to have a children but if they've got a nice family life and then yeah. staying out of trouble mm. Then that's the sort of player we want in our club yeah, because yeah. it's uh we want you know them to do it for the right reasons to provide for their family yeah, and give yeah. they give their all. If there's somebody that's in been in and out of prison and doing sort of thing, and it's a double edged sword because everyone deserves a second chance, right? Yeah, yeah. But you need that trust initially to give somebody a job in the first place. If you mm. haven't got that trust, yeah, then, then it's a gamble. And do you gamble with your business? I wouldn't like to. Some people do. But then we go on to the chance of, uh, sorry, the other side of it, somebody that's been in and out of prison, they, the second chance, you put your arm around them, you get to know them, mm. you trust in them to do something, they've got one chance. If you give them a second chance and they go and smash it and you reward them, yeah. they'll want to be better and better and better. So it's, it's, it's hard, yeah. but again, it comes back to the man management. Individual people are managed differently. Well, there's there's a podcast I listened to where, where they interviewed. Um, so I think it's a high performer. They interviewed James Timpson from Timpson. You know that Timpsons they employ. He, he goes into um, prisons and yeah. they employ. I think about ten percent of their workforce are people who've come out of prison. Inmates, yeah. Inmates yeah, yeah. who've come out of prison, and, yeah. and and but he says that the reward that he get. Of course, he says with anything in life, you'll get some people that will. That we go because the amount of people that said to him at the start, oh, they're just gonna, they're not gonna just steal from you. And like, well, how do you trust them? He said, Well, I'm giving them an opportunity and a chance. And how much then that loyalty? And he goes, Some of them, that some of that 10% are the best performing Timpsons in the country because then people wow. have been given that second chance yeah. and they go, and they yeah. don't want to muck it up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go, yeah. Like, someone's given me an opportunity, saying, I mean, giving me an opportunity. Yeah. I guess that's like, like you said, there is two sides to that. There is, yeah, thing, but, there? but this is where I'll go back to never judge a book by its cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, don't don't just flick through the pages, read the pages. Yeah. Because well, I've got a, a yeah. Kerry, can I ask you this? Because I, I, I used to run a radio station, as you all probably know. Um, and um, I remember one of the things I used to do, and you mentioned earlier, before someone joined the company, you check into their background. Obviously, their work history was the mm. obvious thing. But I always used to look at the social media. Mm. And unfortunately, I probably did judge a book by its cover on those situations because I'd look at the social media and I and it would give me an impression about how that person's life was was lived and whether I think that person would fit into the current framework I had. Mm. And that did affect my decision yeah. a few times. And I don't know whether that's right or wrong. I Before you answer yeah. that, because I'm interested in your opinion... I remember also one particular occasion, Kerry, 
um, we were at a very fu we were at a function together, and I was running said radio station at the time, and we were at a function. You were one of my guests on the table, and uh, let's just say one had had um, one or two libations, perhaps more <laughs> than than others, and we were we were dancing, and before I knew it. Mr. Mayo here had picked me up and put me on his shoulders. <laughs> put me on his shoulders. Now, bear in mind, this is a black tie do. There's the world, the world of Sussex business in this room with their other halves. And I'm on top of Kerry Mayo's shoulders, not knowing what the hell. You're quite a strong boy, actually. Not, not knowing what the hell to do until someone came out. And, and it was being filmed. That's right. It was being filmed. And until um, someone from the hotel came over and said, you've got to get down, got yeah. down. So eventually it got, got off. The, Was that the when next, I started doing the caterpillar? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> the, next, the next day, I realised that one of, other, one of our other party had um, put this particular video of Kerry being, or me being on Kerry's shoulders, on social media. And <laughs> I had that thought of... Uh, I'm the managing director of a radio station here. I probably shouldn't have this <laughs> out in the public domain. Not being big-headed, no, no, but no, just because, no. uh, you know, does yeah. that post the wrong impression? You know, that sort of uh, thing. Uh, so I had to which, talk, demand that came uh, down. Do you remember it, though? I, I do remember it, yeah, and it was a good event. We've been to a few since as well. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I can't put it on my shoulders these days, lads, but I was really fit there. <laughs> But I do remember that. We was doing funny dancing. We had right. a good table. I remember yeah, the table yeah, yeah. being a good laugh. And it, we've do, been a few times. But it's... Um, do you st Where do you stand with that sort of social well, media thing? With, with, I'll be honest with you, I don't really post too much. My wife does, and I, she tags me in it. Right. But, but generally, it's always us doing nice things. Yeah, and, yeah. But it's the same with everyone in social media. No, very few people put real-life problems on there, and which is right to a yeah, certain extent yeah. because got to keep some life private yeah but also a lot of people will trade falseness by just posting nice things and again you, you can only take so much from social media because there's so many nice things out there you know with the filters and everything else or you're doing a nice event or something like that best life but it's yeah best life gonna, exactly it? yeah it's not yeah. a true and, reflection and then, of society and then no matter what you do you're going to be guilty or upset somebody's oh it's all right for them like doing this that and you said about holidays mm. but you know my wife and I we work hard and yeah. we reward ourselves yeah. our reward is from working hard is to spend quality time with each other on a holiday yeah. whether it be in England get in a car and drive down to Cornwall for four or five hours or yeah. get on a plane for two hours three hours that, that's our reward yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we give ourselves incentives and you know yes alright my wife will put it out on the social media but it's not boasting it's just showing quality time family time which yeah. is important and it's away from business whereas you go on LinkedIn it's all very much more business orientated I leave my family off of there but um, but did, what, what, I touching on that point then like you say about because there, there's an element of it I think if we've learned something over the last couple of years from COVID it's not that there's a way of still being able to say like, or potentially say about maybe the, the negative stuff that's on there because mm. We post on stuff that all the time. This is, you know, things are going really well. Oh, I've just won this account. I'm guilty of it. Yeah, you know, we're doing really good yeah. and this and but people go, oh, you're really busy. But the odd time I've posted as well, like from a mental health point of view, you yeah. post sometimes. It's I've, okay I've, I've, to I've share. I've seen them. It is. It's okay um, to share the good with the bad. So my, no. so my brother does that a lot. He does this, um, I can't remember what, it, what he's called it, but basically you can go walk over the downs 
and just meet up, just have a chat and just a bit of to help your mental health. And yeah, just yeah. if there's anything on your mind, just talk about it. If yeah. there's not, if it's good or bad or anything. Yeah. And it, he, he reaches out and he has a mental health yeah. uh, post. My brother does a lot for them. So for me, mental health is also probably made worse by social media, by yeah, people yeah. seeing these people yeah, yeah. doing nice things, etc. So you, you just got to be very careful. I mean, we're all yeah. guilty of putting nice things on social media. Yeah, and look, but I think everyone's aware that like, look, what, what people put first, not everyone's real, like, no. you know. And, and I think the point I'm making is authenticity and honesty is so key in life as well as what we potentially portray. Yeah. Like I said, I'm probably as guilty as anyone of not doing that, but trying to live an authentic life and be as yeah. honest as possible and I think that's that's something quite that's something quite key but um, yeah interesting but I think look it's been great I think the, the idea like we put this together the idea when you come to really idea laws is to put this together and it's been great what a great guest to have on in regards to someone that football lived that life and come and how we've been able to relate that to sport and, Kerry uh, looks like to he's going to burst into tears he, oh. wants to, he wants to keep going for another hey, do, do, do we need to come and give you <laughs> can we not do a two part do we need to come and rub you and oh. rub you sorry I meant give you a hug yeah. oh, I can't he's believe it sorry sorry it's not that time show sorry taxi cut a couple of things we just before I guess we go um Loz being the stato that he is, is it 12, 12 goals that you scored? Is well, that? I think it was 14. 14, yeah. 14. So 14, 14 goals. Sorry, I realised that before I changed yours. <laughs> you just tried to stitch me up. You're going to stitch me up on every episode, didn't you? Yeah. It makes me look yeah. like I don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm waiting for Anna Deck to come through the door in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> tell him 12, tell him 12. <laughs> tell me he's 18 when he made his debut. <laughs> tell him he looks like Bill from Guess Who. 14, 14. <laughs> 14 goals that you scored, mate, 14 apparently. goals, yeah. Um, tell, what one stands out for you? Uh, probably the one against Derby County. Uh, they'd just come down from the Premier League. Yeah. We'd just got promoted to the Championship. Yeah. They were on big money. They had some big players. You know, Ravinelli, King Clatsy. Oh, King wow. Clatsy? George King Clatsy? Yeah, yeah I remember yeah. Ravinelli, yeah. that's Rob, uh, Rob Lee and all that. So they had a decent squad. And it was at the Withdean Stadium on a, on a Tuesday night. And... I just remember it's the 89th minute, the corner come in, and I've headed it. It's gone down, hit the post, come back, and I've sort of side foot, um, side volleyed it, and it just went sh like a missile straight in the back of the net, the 89th minute, and that we beat Derby County one nil, and that was a, for me personally, because they were they were a big name club at yeah. the time. Um, yeah, that was, that's probably my best goal. And scoring with a minute left as well, the feeling. The feeling of yeah. being being a fan, or you know, when you yeah, when, exactly. when you see someone scoring a winner oh, that so, late so on, it probably wasn't my best goal, but it's probably the one that I remember the most. most. Yeah. Amazing. And finally, I, I, if it's all, I'm going to I want to wrap up one one question. Unless you've got something to no, add on, Sam. But I, 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 what, tell, can you give me on a, your the key trait that you took from from professional football that you relate and you use in business? Right? For the, well, we sort of covered most of it, but I think. The majority of it is um, managing people separately on an individual yeah. basis. Get taking the working with their strengths, yeah. um, taking their strengths and, and sort of really sort of emphasising them and really sort of letting them blossom, yeah. and working on their weaknesses to bring them up and just help people, guide people, coach people, put an arm around people, and just be there and listen to them, yeah. because like I say, if anyone's got something on their mind or not performing properly, just be an olive branch to them. You know, yeah. reach out and. Just also 
since going into the world of business and networking and everything else, it's just making sure that we all work together. We all do a collaboration. Um, I could say, just congratulate people when they do well. You know, if someone's not doing so great, see if you can help them out in any way. Mm. And just sort of be there for people, be there for each other. There's enough of the pie to go around for everyone, yeah. for everyone to have a piece of it. Yeah. And as long as we can all do that work, you know, collaborate, in a good and good synergy, network together, work well together, then the world would be a good place. It'd be good for the economy and good for the community. Great answers. Mate. You said one piece, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Collaborate. It was about 12 there. Yeah, yeah <laughs> sorry. <laughs> we're going to take collaborate out of that. Yeah, and take collaborate. That. Yeah. That is, mate, that, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks, I Cameron. think that's a great way to wrap up the new. Yeah, nice one. But, um, mate, listen, thanks so much for coming on. It's been great to have oh, you. It's as, been uh, good to have you. And I feel honoured to be your first sports guest. Mate, awesome. And gentlemen, as they say in the game, that is a wrap. Good Thank night. you very much. Good, good night. Much. Cheers. Good night. Good night for me and good night from Bill. <laughs>